and action. Banana too. That's good. Well, just I, in case you I, never know. I, I just you need the potassium. That, like I'm just you know waking up at the crack of dawn, so I'm always concerned about like. Oh. Yeah. So now you can hear. Well, I can hear you before too. Yeah, but now you can hear the the headphones allow you to not talk over people and uh, make it so you can so you can also hear your uh, voice to make sure you're talking into the mic. So I can oh never done this before. Yeah. See how when you talk away from the mic, it goes away. Do I have to talk into the microphone? You can reposition it so you're always talking <laughs> with it in front of you. Cuz when you do this, do it, you see the difference? What would you spray this for for first of COVID, do you give it? I it, actually put COVID on it. Is this everybody <laughs> gets here? Is this microphone vaccinated? Yeah, it's fully vaxxed. <laughs> it has its rabies, its distemper. everything. Yeah, everything. So you did nothing for Thanksgiving? Basically, I cooked, but it was just the four of us. Okay. Was, and then Caleb took off immediately following food. Gone. So I think Tyler wants this up because I'm tall. Okay. Yeah, Tyler. Tyler will just move it. He does that kind of thing. Um, yeah, so we it was super mellow. And then I went to a Jets game yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah, Jets-Bears. Mike White. Fucking love that guy. Mike, I don't know you're a Jets fan. Mike White. Um, he played well. He played very well. You know... I saw this on ESPN the other day, and someone said Zach Wilson, his upbringing was pro- essentially probably too too easy. Yeah. And and I think, yeah, no adversity. And now you're twenty some odd years old, and you're under the spotlight of New York, and you and you've probably never dealt with much adversity. And, and I, I don't want to hear, like, oh, his, his grandpa died. or I'm talking, like, you know, I'm not saying that that's not, you know, adverse conditions. Right. I'm talking, like, you know, you were benched or, you know, you you tore your AC out, something, right? Okay. Like, you know, I, I envision that Zach Wilson probably had, you know, throwing coaches and was the superstar in high school. Obviously, it was played well. I think it went to BYU. Um, went to BYU. Yeah. Played well there. Yeah, and New York for Mormons probably isn't great. Yeah, I don't know the New York Mormon scene. Yeah, it's not. I don't think it's big. I not, lived there for a while, and I don't. I don't know that I ever ran into it. Okay. Um. Yeah, I just venture guess probably not. Now the counter argument to that would be like, well, do you think the Manning family, right? Like you know Archie Manning, their dad played professional football, right? So like you know how much but adversity. I feel like Archie Manning might have at least punched his kids in the chest a couple times. Probably. Whereas I don't think that happened. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, adversity is important. Yeah. That's my biggest thing with the girls. Is like I get. I just don't want. I just don't want their lives to be too easy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big. Well, before we keep going, who are you and what do you do? Oh, I have to introduce myself. Well, people don't know who I'm talking to. Oh, Joe Coville. Um, I own, I'm the managing partner at CT Financial Partners, a wealth management firm in Glastonbury. Yeah. Yeah. Is that good? That's great. Okay. Anything else well, you want? Like, well, at least now. You I want know. like a full, like everything, married, two kids, live in Manchester, the whole nine? The whole nine. <laughs> the whole no. nine. No. I just want people to know who we're talking to, so <laughs> yeah. that way they're like, wait, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> so, 
Um, I like this podcast because I'm allowed to swear. It's just like being at home yeah. around my kids, yep. just swearing all the time. Exactly. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I get. I think that's a big downfall of what's going on with raising kids. I think the 20 year olds now, the 18 to 25s right now, didn't have enough adversity and enough. I don't think there was enough anger in their parents. I don't think parents yelled at them enough and told them to stop doing dumb shit. Yeah, how much of that is cyclical? How much of that is right? their parents, so the 20 to 25-year-old crowd, 30-year-old crowd, parents didn't. Grandparents yelled at them, so their, so their parents didn't yell at them. Right. Then they're going to yell at yeah. <laughs> their kids because their parents never yelled at them. Right. Right. Well, I mean, part of that, too, is economical. Right. So like one of the things that's not talked about in, in society, I think uh, social media has a huge factor with this is that, you know, first of all, you know, I think about the way I grew up. I grew up in an 1100 square foot Cape Cod style house. I shared a bedroom with my two brothers. Um, my sister had what we would what most people would have that have a den. Right. So there's six of us in this house. Um, not a lot of people live like that anymore. And they have to have X size house, you know, multiple vehicles, usually very nice. Um, and what happens is that the burden now falls to both people working. So are working full time. So, you know, there's that aspect of it, right? Where okay, you have two working parents, less time, less supervision at home. And do those parents then feel a certain level of guilt about the fact that they're not as around, around as much? And then instead of being the disciplinarians, they end up being more friends, right? Like, you know, you see it. Yeah. You know, plenty of parents that are friends with their kids. It's a, That's such a big mistake. Well, social media also drives this, right? Like, you know, it's like you go on social media and it's everyone posting about their, you know, their vacations and their, they bought this and they did this and they did that, right? And it just fuels other people to want to do those things. One up, one upping constantly. Right. Well, and that's part of the. I don't think kids belong on social media. I, I think it's. Like oh, a, I don't even think it's. I think it's adults. I think adults are are one upping each other. Oh, they're definitely doing that. Yeah, but that's yeah. why. Well, I also think there's the idea of, like, I remember as a kid being like, "Go outside." Mm-hmm. Like that was it. It was like go outside. <laughs> there was no like, go do this thing outside. They were just like go outside. Yeah. And you just had to fucking figure it out. So I remember we used to. We grew up on on Autumn Street in Manchester, and we would leave. Basically, I would leave in the morning in the summer. I would ride my bike down to this kid Mike Pemberton's house who lived on Porter Street, and he had a backyard with a fence, wooden fence, and we would play basically wiffle ball home run derby. Excuse me. I remember to get down there like 10, 10, 30. We'd sit in his kitchen. We'd make our lineup cards, you know. Um, and then we would play wiffle ball for like four or five hours. And when we got real aggressive one time and there was a side shoot off a of Porter and we played hardball with real baseballs and a dude like just like smashed his window by mistake. You want to talk about running? You want to talk about like the fastest I could possibly get home <laughs> right there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that doesn't, ex- you never, everything has to be like scheduled. Well, everything has to be scheduled. Then everybody's worried about their kid being taken. Yeah, I would like love the, to. The number of children being taken is much lower 
than the people yeah. that are concerned with it. Yeah, I don't know the data behind abduc- abductions. I would probably could be lower. The difference is, is that if a child gets abducted, we have is it amber alerts now we have, all kinds we of have amber alerts you got the news you have social media everything right so like do we as a society think we think like kids are being abducted all over the place everywhere right? everywhere constant abductions like my kids they can't walk to the mailbox they might get stolen yeah yeah liza <laughs> what like the kids have a bus stop that's a few blocks away and she's always like well i have to drive them to the bus stop i'm like they're 14 and they're together and if they get like if you're if you're two 14 year olds and you can't figure out how to not get taken it, it might be your time let me tell you something my daughters are 16 in and your 14. own neighborhood my daughters are 16 and 14 i dare someone to try to abduct them you want to deal with that crap <laughs> seriously seriously <laughs> dare you i dare you it's but that's the thing is like you know, i just don't think to so like I'm on my Mac, so like I'm a, like talking to the abductor, like I'm on my Mac. Uh, these are the jeans I want and the shoes I want for Christmas and these headphones that I want. The guy will be like, go back. <laughs> just go forget it. <laughs> just go back to your parents. Yeah. I'm just done. forget it. I just can't take it. it. I can't do this. Can't do it. This is not, this is not for me. Um, and we're making light of it, but it's just the idea of your two teenage kids being abducted on their walk in your neighborhood you should you should change neighborhoods well if that's your biggest fear i think the i think the bottom line is is that it's not it's just information in our face constantly creates a perception that things are a lot worse than they actually are right so on one hand we have those on social media posting and the perception is that things are a lot better than they actually are right yeah you know, you've seen the divorce couple, the, you know, the couple that ends up getting divorced that posts a million pictures of their vacation, right? And it's like, looks like the, the happy, perfect life, right? You know, the perception of what that is. It's the same thing the other way, right? Like, it's perceived that, you know, we live in, we live in an environment now where, like, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible in many ways. And it is, it's being perceived and it's actually not in the slightest. Well, that's, I think that's one of the biggest problems with the internet right now is that, the extremes get the attention. Oh, oh, that's the the majority of the normal. That's the landscape, right? But the majority, <laughs> it's. I mean, that's what TV was, right? Like you have these big celebrities back before there was the internet. You had mm-hmm. celebrities, mm-hmm. which were American royalty, and you had royalty, which was the European royalty, and people watched them and were like, "Oh, that's amazing." And then you would every now and again hear a national story about a serial killer or an abduction. And you'd be like, oh, that's sad. That sucks. That's sad news. But status quo was status quo. It was like you you maybe competed with your neighbor. Now yeah. the whole fucking world's your neighbor. Well, that's it, right? Like your neighbor got a new car. Yeah. Now you're like some dude you went to high school with got a 5 Series. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, uh, yeah. yeah. Why am I such a loser? I didn't yeah. do anything with my life. You're such a loser because of your decisions, not because your neighbor got a five series. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's, it's just funny to me how. Don't get mad at your neighbor. Like even with this podcast, right? We post clips on TikTok and mm-hmm. we post stuff. And if, you, if people disagree with me, they just immediately attack me as a person. They're like, well, what does he know? He's fat. Well, what does he know? He's a piece of shit. Well, what does he know? That's a terrible thing to say to your kid. He's ruining his child. And it's like, mm, 
Maybe. I don't know, but my my mother raised us essentially under the idea that with good health and good luck, we're going to be out of the house longer alive than we're going to be in her house, right? So I take a generally the same viewpoint with the girls. You know, I don't coddle. Um, anybody who knows me knows I do not. Um, you know, it's about making them the most productive citizens, right? Yeah. Making them productive people in this world. And, yeah, there are certain times where, you know, my oldest has a little bit of edge to her, I think, you know, and I, and I wish that it wasn't as sharp. But, you know, the reality is, is that, yeah, when you're 16, that doesn't work out very well. But when you're 26, 27, 36, right. 46, it's probably going to be pretty helpful in the world. It's going to be helpful in business, going to be helpful in life, you know, as long as she matures and knows how to use those tools. Right. Yeah. Well, that's with my daughter. She like, she's not flawless. She she has she's a kid. Yeah. She has attitude. She makes mistakes. She she does shit she's not supposed to do. She sneaks and mm-hmm. goes on things that she's not supposed to go on. And for me, it's about this time in her life is about teaching her how to make good choices, but knowing that I have no control over her choices. Yep. Like she's fourteen. I'm not, I, I can guide her and I can mm-hmm. say it's not a good idea and there's going to be consequences if you do that, but she's still going to do whatever the fuck she wants to do. So the, the hopes is to teach her how to be honest and open with me. So when she does something dumb, she's not scared to call me. Yeah. Right. That's the biggest for me. That's the biggest takeaway of parenting. That's so important with your teenagers is don't punish them so hard over everything that they're scared to call you when they make the mistake. Uh, I also have an opposite viewpoint of a lot of parents on. We had a friend whose daughter is trying out for a sports team. Mm-hmm. And it was like, oh, my God, if she doesn't make it. Oh, da, 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 da. It's like, listen, if she doesn't make it, it's probably good for her in the long run. Right. Like, it's okay. Like, you know setbacks and failures going back to the Zach Wilson thing right are really helpful tools when you're older right Mm -hmm. when you're 13 14 15 16 18 20 right like you don't think they are right it's devastating it's the end of the world right right um but they are ultimately useful down the road right so like you know do I want my do I want my kids not making a team or not being good at something, if you will? No. Of course I want them to, you know, be the best that they can be. But if they're not good at something or they don't make a team or they fail at something, I don't look at that as like a devastating moment. I look at that as, you know, a learning a learning opportunity where I don't think a lot of parents do now. Yeah. Like I'll give my kid the answers. Like she was she played volleyball this year and she played well she was she was pretty good on the freshman team Mm -hmm. and i was like well are you going to go to the jv practices so you can make the jv team and she's like that's not how it works and i was like well that's exactly how it works you you ask to stay after and you ask to be part of the jv team and you work just for practice just for extra practice and you show them what you're capable of and Mm -hmm. eventually if they like you and they think that you're good enough they're going to put you on jv she's like that's not how it works and i was like okay so then a couple of the other girls did exactly that, made the JV team, and then she was mad that they were playing freshman and JV at the mm-hmm. same time and getting all the playing time. And I was like, my whole thing was like, I told you so. Yeah. And she was like, 
well, you didn't. I was like, no, I told you exactly. I gave you the answer. You chose not to use it. I was like, that's that's on you now. Like, you don't get to complain that you're not getting more playing time because they worked harder than you. Mm -hmm. That's sorry for your luck. Now, you know, do better. I don't know what to tell you. You know, I was like, it's about consistency and hard work. You have to be consistent and you have to work hard when you don't have like if the coach isn't your dad then you have to work hard and you have to and I I've, I've only been her coach like twice in her life and it was when she was little but and I didn't give her anything I was the I was the guy that was like if you don't run during the game you're going to run after and parents did not like that a lot I will not coach my children they're old enough now where I wouldn't be able to coach yeah, them would, anymore yeah. and I don't I barely cheer <laughs> Yeah I'm not a I literally just sit there, arms crossed. I probably look like I'm, like, angry. I'm not, right? It's more like, listen, this is their This is their time, right? Like, you know, my oldest swims, and certainly when she finishes some swim races, she'll look over, and I'll give her some sort of, you know, nod or, or whatever, right? But, like, we don't need to be the center of attention going absolutely bullshit, you know, yeah clapping cheering screaming yeah parents well my daughter plays softball and they were playing and we had we were went it was a couple of years ago a few years ago that they went to the finals for states mm-hmm. at little league mm-hmm. which is a big deal for them yeah. there was the other team started cheering and clapping and being excited when our pitcher was throwing balls yeah and i was just like that your player didn't even do anything like she just threw a ball like she struck out all the sides all she's pitching almost a perfect game and now you're cheering in the sixth inning because she threw a few balls like what's wrong with you as a fucking adult like grow up like what are you doing like that's insane to me well people are people have their own sets of issues (laughs) people are crazy (laughs) For sure. For sure. The number of nonsensical parents out there that I'm just like, is that, like, are you for real? Like, are you really doing that right now? Like, are you? Yeah, but how much of that is vicariously living through your children? Yeah. Right? Like, I think that, it's funny, people think I'm a competitive individual. Mm -hmm. I'm not the slightest bit competitive with other people. Right. I'm competitive in my own head. Right about my own goals and improvements and you know things like that, but I bring it up because I think a lot of parents don't have so like owning a business right and growing mm-hmm. a business it is it is in some regards a competitive outlet, right? And as we become adults, you know when you're done playing, you know adult men's basketball and <laughs> you know adult right. softball leagues and all the stuff that I did in my twenties and early thirties, you still have that outlet right you still have that excuse me you still have the competitive juices but you don't have the outlet anymore for right. a lot of people right because they're just if they work for corporations they're going they're doing their job whatever and if you're a competitive person how do you get that out right you get it out vicariously through your children i don't and i don't i don't have that because of my own like i said i don't i don't really care what my kids do athletically i want them to do the best that they can do right right um, but you know, my own competitive desires come out in my own 
improvement in my own business goals. Well, I think that's, I think that's a major thing that's not talked about is that I tell my kid all the time, it's more fun to win, Mm -hmm. right? Like I'm like, well, yeah, play the game. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter if you lose, but it's more fun to win. Sure. So it's more about doing the work that it takes to win. And I'm not mad that you beat me. I'm mad that I lost. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference in that. Like there's a big difference in me being mad at you because you were better than me versus me being mad at you because I wasn't good enough today. Yeah. And it's about not being good enough today. Like I may improve. Like if I do the work and I get better, I'll improve. And then I'll be better next time that we play. But it's that, that idea of I'm so mad that I lost is much different than I'm so mad that you won. And that to me is a lesson that is rarely ever taught the idea of like, well, it's on you. It's your, it goes back to that keeping up with the Joneses. Like, mm-hmm. You're not a loser because they bought the five series. You're a loser because of your choices. Yeah. You chose not to go out and do the time. You chose not yeah. to go out and do the batting practice. You chose not to go do your throws. You chose not to go do your serves. You chose not to whatever the, the thing is that you're trying to be good at. You didn't put in the fucking work. So that makes you end up losing more often. Most professional athletes that I like are workers. Right. Like I don't. So like Dwight Howard, who played for the Magic, I think he was drafted by the Magic, played for the Lakers, just wanted to be like a comedy guy, right? Kobe hated him, mm-hmm. hated him, right? Because he just didn't have the work ethic, right? Um, you know, have you seen the Redeem team on Netflix? No. So the original Dream Team was 92 in U.S. basketball, USA basketball, once they started allowing NBA players dominated the Olympics, and then they went through this rut. And I think it was 08. I think it was. Um, they put together the Olympic team and they start like two or three years prior. It's basically like right after the other Olympics. And they added late in the process, Kobe. And they do a summer league in, or like a world championship in Vegas or something. Yeah. So the whole USA basketball team's in Vegas and Carmelo Anthony and D Wade and all these dudes, they're going out, they're going to clubs, whatever. So Carmelo tells a story that they're coming back from a club at like 4.30 in the morning. They're getting waiting for the elevator. Kobe is in the lobby going to work out. Yeah. He didn't go out. He doesn't go out, right? So, like, what did you – like, the guy was unbelievable because of the 99% of the time was not actually spent playing in a basketball game. Right. Right. So that's what people don't see, right? It's like people don't see the work ethic in what it took. And I don't think people even conceptually understand, like, to be that elite at anything, like, what it takes on a daily basis. You're talking the guy who was up, like, he's the classic, like, 4 o'clock in the morning, shoot, whatever basketball drills in some capacity work out eat breakfast bring the kids to school go back shoot work out you know like hours upon hours upon hours upon hours yeah. you know um if you're not willing to do that in whatever your profession is right then just assume you're going to be average and there's nothing wrong with that no there's you're gonna have a very very good life yeah just just know that that's probably going to be the case. But don't sit around bitching that you're only average when you're not doing the work. Like we, I was talking. No, no, no. 
Don't sit around bitching about other people who do do the work. Yeah, don't bitch about that either. That's probably the biggest thing, right? Like, I don't think people, I don't think people gripe about their own situation. Yeah, they get mad at other people's They situations. get other people's, they get mad at other people's situations. Well, we posted a video the other day with a, a podcast I did with, a, with another guy um, where we were talking about wages. And we we're talking about how I have a bunch of people that want to make like, Twenty twenty five dollars an hour, but have no skills. Uh-huh. And I'm just like, you don't, you didn't earn that. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a difference between a living wage and and thriving. Mm-hmm. Like, living wage to me is you have food on your table, you mm-hmm. don't get to go out, you have a used car, and you pay your rent. And yeah. Anything else you have to work for. The way things were in like 1984 before people had social media and they could compare right. themselves to other people. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. And that, but that's, and now everybody wants to thrive, and, and they don't want to have to work for it. And they're like, well, I could just go work for Uber. And it's like, well, cool, but not everybody can go work for Uber and make a ton of money. Like, you have to be in a, in a metropolis. Like, you have to be in a city that has a need for that many Ubers to be moving all the time. Like, you can't just – and you don't factor in the overhead of being an Uber driver. Like, so it ends up being minimum wage after you pay for everything mm-hmm. you had to pay for. So you're just – and you're not learning a skill. Like, you're not learning a, an over-the-time – like I'm going to learn this skill set. So eventually I can either open my own business or this person is going to appreciate me so much. They're going to make sure that they continue to increase my Mm -hmm. wages Mm -hmm. so I can be comfortable and have more things, but they just, they want, they want, they want, they, they're, they feel like they're entitled to all these things. And it's frankly, it's fucking annoying to hear all the whining, but it's, it's ridiculous to me to think, that before I knew how to do any of the stuff that I know how to do now, that I would be like, well, you have to pay me this much money. Mm-hmm. Like I worked for free for years just to learn because I didn't go to college for it. And I wanted to learn the practical skills. So I was just like, fuck it. I'll go whatever job somebody will give me. I'll go do that job and I'll just pay attention to everything. And when they need something, I'll be the guy that steps up so I can learn how to do that thing. And just people don't do that anymore. Some people do that. Some people do that. Some people do that. Yeah. But it's rare. Mm-hmm. And now with the internet, everybody thinks that they can just be on the internet and be fucking famous. And it's like, you don't understand how the internet works. Like, there's there's like three ways to be famous on the internet. You can either be a complete fuck-up, an asshole, and be literally mean to people and pull quote-unquote pranks while mm-hmm. physically being violent to each other mm-hmm. and be an absolute douche. Mm-hmm. You can take all your clothes off. Mm-hmm. And just do the free, easy, like, yep. I work out and I take my clothes off for you to look at me and I'll dance around. Mm-hmm. Or there's, I'm a leader in my industry and people seek out my information. Yep. And that's it. Those are the three ways. Or or you could teach me to stop coming over the top with my golf swing. That's being somebody who's already a leader. Oh, that's true. That's okay. somebody that already yep. knows what they're doing and you're yeah. seeking their information. That's true. Right. So there's there's literally three ways. Yeah. So you have to decide which version you want to be. Yeah. And it's mostly the boys that are the douchebags that are pulling the pranks. And there's some girls that trickle into that. And then it's mostly the girls that are taking their clothes off. And there's a couple boys that trickle into that. And then there's a bunch of leaders in what they do. Like, I don't care if you're you're, you know, you're some dude that's great at makeup and you're putting makeup on Mm -hmm. your face like you're a leader in that field. Like you're really good at that thing. Mm hmm. And now you're winning. But if you're not one of those three things, 
then you're just another person on the internet doing internet shit. Well, the other thing is, is, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't, people shouldn't strive for, you know, greatness, if you will. They absolutely should. But, but what's the population in the world? Eight billion, seven billion. Okay. How many like business influencers who are making a living are there on the internet? Well, right. Then you have making to a living, but then you have to define making a living, right? Because there's a well, bunch everyone's of, definition of making a living is different, right? <clears throat> and there's a bunch of people out there that are making a living, but they're not thriving. Let's pause for one sec. Which way do you open a banana? Because my my sister the other day in the family oh, text thread, at the bottom. Yeah, sure. No, op- I, yeah, no, that's weird. Right? You open it from the top. That's what I think. Monkeys open it from the bottom. That's what they said. They said, so if monkeys open it from the bottom, isn't that the way that it should be done? No. That's how I'm, like, I've <clears throat> evolved. I'm not a fucking monkey anymore. If, if, you're, if you're matching your brain capacity to a fucking ape, what's wrong with you? Is that real life? This is this is quite aggressive. I'm just I'm, I'm just, just but that's I just, I just asked you a question. Okay? But that, I get I, upset about that kind of mental logic. Like, oh well, if monkeys do it this way, it must be real. No, we've evolved past monkeys. I won't tell my parents about this podcast thing because I don't want my family. Because I don't want my sister to listen to this. <laughs> I want your sister to listen to this and understand <laughs> that you should not like. I'm sure she's a smart lady. She's related to you. Don't compare your brain capacity to an ape. When does someone convert from a lady to a woman? She's a smart lady? Like, what is that? What, talk to me about that. Uh, I think lady assumes that she has manners and is... Okay. Like... Okay. She has, she has manners. Right. I she just, has manners. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her banana opening skills are subpar at best, but... <laughs> subpar at best. <laughs> Which is fine if it works for you and you enjoy it, but my I don't even have a problem with the way that she opened it. I have a problem with that you're comparing your yourself, your brain power to a monkey. Like, we've evolved from monkeys. So, like, monkeys don't build houses. So, it, uh, based on that knowledge, we should still live in brush and under trees and in trees. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. That's my theory on I'll it. I'll pass the word. Yeah, spread that. Somebody's going to get that information. I'll spread the gospel in the family in the family group thread. <laughs> yeah, let them know. Listen <laughs> to what Danny said. <laughs> well, I don't feel like <clears throat> that. I just feel like that's that's important to understand that it saying it that in that way that monkeys do it so it's got to be right seems weird to me i wouldn't be able to re- i'd have to scroll through i wouldn't be able to recall the exact quotation but it was something of that capacity i've heard that theory before oh yeah that's why I. that's said- oh you brought it up that's right that's right you said that yeah. i didn't say that i said she opens it from yeah the- and you said yeah because that's the way monkeys yeah that's yeah. right yeah, yeah yeah okay because i've heard that theory and i'm like that's not like that's not how the world works we're beyond that like we have tools they use rocks we use hammers like they, monkeys use rocks. Should we use rocks to open nuts then instead of nutcrackers? All right. I don't know. I think we should probably use nutcrackers. Right. All right. Let's let's move on. This this is too. This is too. You're you're getting aggressive. I'm not aggressive. You're getting, you're getting aggressive about the banana. I don't think it's aggressive. I just think that I'm I'm passionate about the understanding of tools. You are. Yeah. Yeah. And societal growth. Okay. That's all. All right. So, growing a business. Oh, you want to talk? You want to? You want to move into the actual topic of the podcast now? Maybe. All right, cool. <clears throat> growing a business. Well, because all the stuff we talked about relates to business. I know. I know. Right. I know. All of it is an understanding of. 
I raised my kid with the idea that someday she might <clears> want to <throat> be part of a business mm-hmm. in some level. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume that she's going to get a job yeah. and then want to work her way up mm-hmm. to be in control of mm-hmm. it. Um, you own your own financial services business. Mm-hmm. How did that start? Uh, I was working for Ameriprise um, and built a client base there. Um, two brothers who I'm close with, one of them is one of my closest friends, they were leaving. And basically, we were all at Ameriprise together, and they were like, we're leaving. Do you want to come with us? It's a little bit more in-depth than that. Um, we left January 29th of 09. Um, left, took most of our clients with us. That was a little dicey. Um, got settled with them, and then, you know, and, and I love I love the brothers, but working with them, the two of them, you know, it's not necessarily democracy, you know. Um, right. And just probably a better fit long-term if I was doing my own thing. So left, started my own, took my clients, left. And at that point, we're independent to independent, so there's no real issue there. Um, and then from there... I wouldn't be able to recall the exact time where I started to get more serious about, so there was a difference. There was growing the client base, right, out of the gates. Then there was growing the business. So Bob joined me seven years ago, then Lisa, then Mike, then Kristen, Melissa, Alexa, Sarah, Renee. I don't know the exact order. But the point being is that the business grew out of necessity, right? So, like, when I was younger, I would think to myself, like, you know what? Just keep it small, right? Like, me and Lisa. And over the course of time, I was fortunate. We don't really do any marketing outside of the stuff we do with you, right? Just mostly referral business. Um, Fortunate where we needed people. So, one of my clients, great client of mine, brought up some concerns around, like, hey, what else happens to you? you know, who takes over my accounts, who else in the office, or you're on vacation for two weeks, right? So, you know, I started to realize that um, as we continue to grow, not only the amount of clients, but the type of clients that we had, that having second set of eyes, specialties, other advisors in the office became important. So that was kind of the first step, adding advisors. And then from there, as we continue to grow the client base, um, the need for more staff came about as well. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm 42. I don't know what the next 20 plus years looks like. Probably not going to stop at nine, you know, um, nine of us. I think it's probably just natural growth. Um, but I'm not necessarily, well, I know I'm not um, keen on the idea of adding more advisors in the sense of having an advisor come over from a firm and bring his clients with us. That's not, that's not the ideal. The ideal will be growth via either bringing staff up into an advisor role like we have recently or um, in, or just adding staff out of need to make sure that our clients are being serviced the way they should be. So when was it that you knew that being a financial advisor was a job? Because oh, I, I didn't even know that was a job. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. I don't remember. 20? Like in high school, I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, No. 20 something like that yeah college for it yeah um yeah 
So, no, I, so here's what happened. Basically, I was done with school. Um, a friend of mine said, hey, there's an ad in the paper. Okay, I want you to think about how far back that was. Okay, there's an ad in the paper for this company, American Express Financial Advisors, looking for advisors. And I was like, you know what? Like, I don't know. Like, I'm brand new, right? I'm, I just turned 23, or I was 22 at the time. And I went down there. My dad was always, like, classic. Like, you know, you think about, like, you know, stuff your parents told you that you thought was ridiculous but was actually right. My dad was always like, listen, if you want something, you should just go drop your resume off. Okay. So that's what I did. And the gentleman who ran the office, John, basically said, well, why don't you just sit down right now for an interview? And I was like, okay. And it just kind of, and just kind of snowballed and and went from there. Um, And that was, that was in the summer of 2003. In like in the fall time period, I had started there, got all my licenses um, through the, through FINRA. Um, SEC and FINRA, and just kind of snowballed and went from there. So what did you go to school for? Business. Business? Yeah. And then that turned into... Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, listen, I think about my client base across the board, like, it's it's just kind of, it's almost like funny listening to, you know, if you think about society now, uh-huh. what what specialties do you think need to go specifically for... Like, I have clients who work at Travelers who are, like, you know, English majors who are, like, VPs. Yeah. Right? You know, lawyers, doctors. You know what I mean? Like, so, it wasn't a finance-specific idea. It was just more, okay, I don't want to, I want to do something. Um, and then, here I am. Yeah. It was all, it, listen, it's a, snow, it's a snowball effect of just hard work, you know? 20 years I mean it's been almost 20 years it was a long time ago like I right. like I have like faint memories I remember more of the fun times because we were all in our 20s and like working with a bunch of people in our, in our 20s it had like a fraternity type of feel to it it was wild wild in our early 20s and do you still work with some of those people yeah so all of us in the office the advisors Mike Bob Kristen and I all of us were there I was kind of the connection I think Bob was there when I started. Um, Mike joined after, but then Mike left Ameriprise before Kristen came. So, like, I was the one who worked with all of them, but we didn't all work together. Right. Yeah, yeah. So, Mike left, went and worked for uh, worked as an advisor at a bank, um, worked at two different banks, and then came over and joined us. It might be more. It might be six or seven years ago for Mike, somewhere in that vicinity. Maybe seven years coming up in the summer. I think he joined us in the summer one year. But you all work together there. At Ameriprise. Yeah. 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 Yeah, see, I have a theory that emotional experiences create long bonds. Yeah. So the more fun or the more shit you have to go through with people, the longer the bond. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, and I think that's part of the benefit of college for some people that stay in a field that they went to school for they connect with all those people that are doing the same shit and then that's what helps them stay bonded. Our crew, I mean, I'm still friends with obviously the four of us at the office, Sean, Mike, Cooper. There's a bunch. There's a bunch of us, you know, uh, Jay. Yeah, there's a ton. So we were all there together. Um, A few of them are still there. Most of us have kind of, gone off and 
either worked for different firms, like my buddy Matt works for Morgan Stanley, um, another guy is an, another independent advisor. So we've all kind of go, gone our own ways over the course of time. Um, but we're all still, oh, Nick, Nick and Rob. Um, so we're all still, we're all still buddies. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very, well, it's like you talk about like emotional bond. Yeah. I mean, we were young building a client base, trying to get to a certain point, And then from there, you know, just kind of, yeah. How old were you when you started doing 23? that part but how old were you when you started your own financial stuff so when nick rob and i left january 28th 09 i was 28 even before that when was the first time you bought a stock oh for yourself no i don't know not 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 before i was there no i was not one of these like oh i'm buying a stock i'm 19 years old like no 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 my dad would so like there was no like was there internet yeah but like you know, it was like Sunday paper, like, you know, you'd go back and in the back of the Hartford Current, they'd have all like the tickers and, you know, and all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. What did your dad do? My dad worked for a pipe. He owned a pipe valves and fittings company. Um, so like contractors were building new, new construction, yeah. obviously all the plumbing and heating and cooling mechanisms. Um, and he ended up selling the business and working for the company that he sold it to. Yeah. What company did he own? A company by the name of Pipeco Supply in Broad Street in Hartford. And then he sold it to a company by the name of Independent Pipe and Supply out of Canton, Massachusetts. My dad was a plumber. I'll tell you. Oh, okay. Where was he a plumber? Um, we were out of Stafford, but he did all the surrounding What, what area. company? Uh, Laguerre Plumbing and Heating. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, he did mostly new construction sales. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't think my dad ever. My dad used more local shops than that, but mm-hmm. I just figured you were in the area. Um, yeah, cause that was, I didn't know about financial, I didn't know about financial advising or even how to save money until I met you. I was just like, I don't know. You can just <laughs> fucking spend it. I don't know. I think part of it is your, I'm not saying this is the case for you, but for a lot of people, right? Like I look at our clients now and a lot of times our clients will say to us, this is a sign of me getting older, right? Like, you know, oh, my kid's getting out of college. And these are kids I knew when they were in, like, elementary school. Right. Right? Like, they're getting out of college, and we need to get them off on the right foot, right? So helping them with their 401K, helping them set up a brokerage account or a Roth IRA or, you know, or something like that, and just getting them on a consistent pattern um, yeah. for success. Um, so you think about, like, the cycle of, like, okay, well, if that parent's doing it, then their kids doing it, right. then their grandkids will do it, except, right? So, like, you think about, like, your kids, right? Like, you know, okay, well, you're going to teach them. All right, you can't be starting this at 30. You got to at 23, 24, right. you know, start saving. So it's mostly our kids, or excuse me, our clients' kids, kind of in that younger age range. Well, I'm even doing it for the kids that work for me. Yeah. Where I'm like, I mean, Tyler's different. He's been doing it since he was like seven i don't know he's a weirdo but tyler has some like algorithm that yeah, probably tells him like what yeah. he's supposed to buy and he's, sell and when yeah he's got some computer algorithm he's that like, works it out for him he's like tyler he's like uh taylor mason on billions yeah. did, you ever, did you ever see that show yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah he's like well if i just move this stock this way and yeah he's got a whole thing but um 
But yeah, but that's why I wanted to set up like the simple IRA and mm-hmm. stuff like that for them. It's like I didn't have that opportunity. I yeah. didn't have that stuff. Um, I also worked different industries and. I also think an option. you went back to – you were talking about something with, like, consistency, right? You were, we were talking yeah. about just, like, hard work and consistency. That is by far the key to financial success, in my opinion. It's not – and I say financial success, I don't mean, oh, the largest pot of dollars, right? right? I mean, for your particular situation, to put yourself in one where you're able to retire when you want and if paying for your kid's college is important and all that type of stuff, right, it's – you know, it's consistent savings. Um, it's not it kind of goes back to the internet, right? And like, you know, I like scroll these Instagram reels and I'm just like, oh God, for Christ's sake, like listen to this shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, this is what I did to like, you know, this options trading and this cryptocurrency. And it's like, oh, fuck off, dude. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's just consistency, right? Like, so I think about like my own particular financial situation, right? So like every month on the, I think it's the 10th or something, we put money into our brokerage account. Um, which is a liquid account that you know access, um, and then we put money in the girls' college savings, and then obviously retirement account, right? So it's like I even for my own particular situation, part of it's probably I'm concentrating on our clients more than I'm concentrating on my own finances. But like I don't necessarily, I'm not paying attention on a day to day basis. Right. You know, I am investing dollars for the long term. So, like, the market being down right now, right, is ultimately opportunity. Yeah. Right? You're just, you know, if you were investing $1,000 a month in January and you were able to buy something and it was 10 shares worth, it was $100 a share, right? Now, right now, maybe you're getting 12 shares, 12 and a half shares because it's $80 a share, right? So, you're just buying more shares, right? Because the market's down. Right. If you fundamentally believe the market, the all-time high for the stock market was not January 3rd of this year. If you if you believe that, which most people would, you know, then you're just ultimately buying, buying at a cheaper entry point, right? Right. And that's a good thing in the long run, right? You know, people get way too caught up in the day-to-day. Like, it's like wild, yeah. Oh, yeah. People come in and the things that a lot of it's politically driven. Of course. I saw it in 16 when Trump was president, when Trump, when President Trump was elected um, in reaction from Democrat clients about Trump. And then I've seen it in this year and over the last two years with Republican clients about about Biden. Right. And it's like, just just save your money. Just save your money. Yeah. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. Well, I think talking about consistency, I think it's important. Success is consistency. Mm-hmm. The more consistent you can be, the better. But it's also about understanding consistently correctly. You have to be consistent correctly in order to find improvement. I can be consistent and continue to do something incorrectly and I'm still going to suck at it. I'm still sure. going to be bad at it. Sure. I might even lose sure. money in the long run if I don't know where to move mm-hmm. or when to move mm-hmm. my money. Yep. Right? So consistency is the key to all of success as long as you're doing consistency correctly. And you're even if you're learning to throw a ball, if you consistently throw a ball, but you're doing it incorrectly, you're never going to throw it farther. Well, even for those that do it themselves – you know, this is a time where 
just like things evolved, you know, the ability for people to invest in things that make it pretty easy have evolved as well. Right. So there's right. no you don't have to anymore say to yourself, oh, what stock do I want to buy? Right. Mm-hmm. You could just invest in an exchange traded fund or an index fund or whatever that's going to invest in a particular area of the market. Right. And like, you know, it's not I don't want to say it's set it and forget it, because certainly you could get a little outweighed in one sector versus the other. Or, But at the end of the day. Yeah, it's kind of hard if you're of reasonable intelligence and you can read and you have <laughs> what's so funny? If you're of reasonable intelligence. Yeah. yeah, yeah, if you're reasonable it's not it's right, but the the emotion is the biggest issue. Right. That's the problem. It's not it's always emotion. It's always that's why like in our industry you hear things like, Oh, everything's gonna become automated. No, it's not. This year proves that like it can't be automated. Right. People are emotional. People want to <clears throat> sell low. They want to buy high. Like So I'll have clients say to me like, oh, let's just say they have money in cash. Okay. Well, I'll invest it when it's when the market's better. And I'll be like, well, what's better? I'm like, oh, when it's, what's the Dow at right now? I don't know, 37, 33, 5 or something, whatever. Oh, when it's at 35,000. Like, so you, you know it's going to go up. Well, yeah, I think it's going to go up. Okay. So you better is higher? But that's, that's the way people's minds work. Better is lower. If you have cash right now, right. better is lower. Right. Yeah, it's, and I think people have overcomplicated the Over- idea of the market. Since I've known you, I've learned a hell of a lot more about it. Well, isn't everything over overcomplicated? Yeah. Like, isn't it if I just, like work out five six days a week and watch what i eat it's probably not that it's probably not that complicated right right but do i have the emotional discipline to not eat four oatmeal butterscratch cookies last night in my house that my daughter made probably not no i don't right so that's why people have trainers and there's diet plans and you know and stuff like that right right? because we need to be we need to be coached because we're emotional creatures. It's the same thing with finance. It's all it is. Just like I tell my wife, like when the market was getting bashed, <coughs> bashed around, I'm like, I'm just going to go to a psychological, I'm just going to psychological warfare for nine hours. I'll see you. I'll see you when I get home. Yeah. No, it's true. It's like, yeah, every like, you know, talking clients through, you know, these situations, right? The market being down, you know, it's like people think the market's going to go to zero. And if you're up late at night watching cable news, political cable news, two o'clock in the morning, you're probably going to get that thought in your head, right? Yeah, they want you to think that. <laughs> they want you to think that. Why do they want you to think that? So you vote a certain way. Right. Right? Yeah. So. Yeah, I find that if you can keep your emotions out of most things that are involved in being successful with business and or an activity – You'll do better. Yeah. I can't tell you how many golf clubs I've broken over the years because it's a frustrating fucking game. I'm not very good at it. And then there was a time when I was younger and I wanted to be good at it. Mm-hmm. And that just didn't go well. Okay. So I said, fuck that noise. And now I just cheat. I'm just like, where'd your ball go? Yeah, I'll just we'll just go <coughs> there. Yeah, we'll just go over there. And I just bring a lot of balls. And I just enjoy the day with whoever I'm with. My golf has improved, the going back, the less emotional I am. Yeah. I hit the ball 30 yards right, whatever. Just go find it. 
Just go find it, hit it. Yeah. There's nothing I can do about what happened in the past, right? And the same thing applies to the market, right? Like, what are you going to do right now with a market down 20, 30% in some sectors? You, can, you can't do anything about what's happened up until this point. You can only do, you can only control your decision making going forward. So how much money does somebody need to start investing in the market? That's a loaded question. <laughs> so, no, I mean, listen, there's, there's plenty of online platforms that people can go. And so, like, for our firm, like, we're mostly working with clients' kids, right? Like, it probably doesn't make a lot of sense for someone who's just starting out to just randomly be like, you know xyz call these you know call us up right it's just not kind of the way our business operates at this point but there's plenty of online platforms fidelity schwab whomever e-trade probably where they can open up an account and i don't know the account minimums um at those at those places or any of the places um but they're probably pretty low and they can just start consistently saving um into some, and, and, and my feeling on it is, is that everyone, I think one of the most overlooked aspects of finance is, is liquidity. It just is. Um, <clears throat> you know, everything is about 401k, 401k, retirement plan. And don't get me wrong, those are obviously a massive factor in people's success long term, and they should be putting money in there, especially if their company is matching. Um, but it's often, liquidity is often overlooked. So I think any everybody should have a brokerage account and start and what a brokerage it's just a liquid account you can have stocks bonds cash whatever mutual funds doesn't doesn't matter in there okay think of it like a like a ball mason jar like your grandma put jellies in there you know think about think about a brokerage account like that right so um any of those types of companies any of those companies that i mentioned you can open one there right and start consistently saving into that account and i say and i say brokerage in liquidity because things are going to happen in life right you're going to maybe get a promotion and your income is going to be high enough where you're like oh my wife and i really would love a second home okay where's your down payment coming from that's just that count right yeah what if you don't have one what if you just put every single dollar in your 401k oh yeah i don't then okay. you have to save then you don't somewhere. right so what happens if you need a roof. What happens if you get laid off from your job? Well, I imagine most people are financing it. Yeah. What happens if you get laid? What debt. happens if you get laid off from your job? What happens if you decide you want to do the worst financial investment possible and buy a boat? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like so. Like that's to me is is probably like I said, it's incredibly overlooked. So for almost all of our clients, I want them having brokerage assets so that. You know, life is long, right? Like, you know, you can't touch 401k and Roth IRA money. Essentially, there's some there's some workarounds, but essentially until 59 and a half, right? So somewhere along the way, if you start working in your early 20s until you're essentially 60, you're talking a 35-year window, you're going to probably need money for something, Yeah. right? And I've seen plenty of situations where people have $2 million in 401k or IRA dollars and like 20 grand in the bank. So on paper, they're a multimillionaire, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they got three, four hundred thousand in equity in their house. They get a couple million dollars in retirement-specific assets. But if they needed thirty grand for something, they don't have the money. 
So are they an American success story, if you will? Yes. Are they going to most likely, depending on their age and their income need, going to have a successful retirement? Yes. But the in the middle is a little bit of a problem. Yeah. Yeah. I live in the middle. I th- I'm a big fan of, like, <coughs> I need I need access to stuff now. I don't. I don't particularly take good enough care of myself to think long term. <laughs> not like, oh yeah, I'm gonna live fucking forever. It's gonna be great. I thought you were working out for a while. I work out three times a week. Oh, so why are you saying not taking care of yourself? No, I just, I uh, just, I don't, my, I don't, my diet's for shit mostly, and I don't. I mean, it's gotten better, but then I have, I have a blood disorder where I get oh. blood clots. Okay. And there's no fixing it. Like it just, it's called. I guess. They don't even have a name for it. I just have what's called a low blow t- uh, low protein C, oh. which you can't have a supplement for. Okay. So basically, if I sit too long or I stand too long, or if I basically if you do anything in one position too long, you can get a blood clot. Okay. So I just have to be on blood thinners for life, which means if I get hit by anything, hurry up and get me somewhere because I'm probably gonna bleed out. <laughs> so it's like it's just a mess of a situation. So. I spent a lot of time thinking about how to live my best life now while still preparing mm-hmm. long term. Well, I think that's a reasonable way. It's the way most people should think about it. You know, people are, there's some people I see that are addicted to leaving as much money as possible to their kids. It's crazy. Well, I mean, it's good for them. Like, it's, it's a good goal prob- to have. It probably has something to do with their upbringing. Probably. Right? Like maybe they didn't have anything when they grew up and they've accumulated some assets and they want to make sure that their kids don't have to, you know, maybe go through what they went through. Right? So, but yeah, there's plenty of clients we see that have multiple millions saved up and they're never going to run out of money because they just don't save, they just don't spend it, you know, or they care about, you know, generational wealth and starting that snowball effect. Yeah. I, uh. I've always lived paycheck to paycheck up until about five years ago. Mm-hmm. Actually, not even five years ago, about three years ago. Mm-hmm. And now I'm for finally in a spot where I'm like, oh, I'm not living paycheck to paycheck. I have, you know, well, thanks to you, I have savings. <laughs> and and thanks to me for following your instructions, I have savings. Well, that's what I say to clients. It's like, listen, we're not doing anything special, right? It's, right. it's, it's just keeping you, it's, it's keeping you on track. Right. You know? You're my, you know, you're my financial trainer. You know, yeah. like I have a fitness trainer, I have a financial trainer, and I'm getting about the same results from both. It's working, but it's slow and doing its thing because I don't. Cur- currently not working in the market. Right. You're losing, <laughs> you're losing a higher percentage in your portfolio than maybe you are weight and weight. Right. <laughs> probably. 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 Um, oh, I'm down 25%. Oh. Wait. No, no. No, no. My no. portfolio. Yeah, portfolio. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um. But I also don't have an emotional attachment to it the way that some people do. Like I, because I listen to the way you talk and you're like, no, it's low now. But the thing that I don't think a lot of people understand that aren't involved in their financial situation is that when you own a piece of something, the value of it may go down for a while, but you still own the same size piece. Mm-hmm. Like Correct. it's not like a pie, right? Where the more of the pie that gets eaten, there's less pie to have. Mm-hmm. It's still the whole pie. Yep. The pie's value just went down, but I still own the same amount of the pie. Like if I own 20% of the pie, 
I own 20. The only yeah. way for me to lose that 20% of the pie is if I take that pie and eat it. You sell it. Right? Or yeah. I give it to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Now that pie is gone. Mm-hmm. And I can't get that pie back. Mm-hmm. Somebody else now owns that pie. So I just figure, okay, I'll just hold on to it. And eventually that pie, according to the people that I left in charge of it, know where to sell it so it's worth more. Yeah. Right? That's And that's just how I look at it. But I'm I'm mostly a practical thinker. I'm not a guy that gets caught up in the, oh, my God, what's going to happen? I'm like, oh, okay. Like that person, I, I trusted that person with that situation. I'm going to trust that they're going to take care of it. A lot of my time is spent dealing with what's going to happen. I bet. I could, I could write, I don't know if I could write a book. I probably could write a book, but I could write a book about or at, least, at least a solid three pages of questions I get, like commentary. I had someone ask me what I thought of <coughs> how the U.S. stock market was going to react to the European energy crisis and that the market was going to crash because of it. And I said, it didn't crash during Brexit. So, and I said, and also, do you think that you're the only person that knows that there's a potential energy crisis in Europe? Do you think the market is going to wake up one day in the middle of November and be like, holy shit, there's an energy crisis in, in Europe. Let's react. Let's go down 15%. Oh, my God. Like, like. That's what's weird. Not weird, but like that's what that's what I think the public doesn't realize about the market. So, the market's always ahead of the economy, right? So it's pricing in basically all the things that are coming up down the road, right? right. So, you know, it's not a surprise if we have a energy crisis in Europe, right? It's not going to be a surprise if. Um, if earnings are not as strong as they were in other quarters, right? So we're essentially pricing those things in now. Um, not react, you know, the market's not going to react. You know, you get the occasional surprise, right? But generally speaking, the market's pricing in um, things that are coming down the road. I just wish every meeting you had with people, you just had a magic eight ball on your desk and you just shook it when they asked a question. You're like, uh, it doesn't look good. <laughs> Just to see how they react. Well, it's I, I think the one thing about our profession is that <sighs> humor is not allowed. No, 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 I'm not. I got plenty of humor. I also swear a lot. I've realized. Um, yeah. The um, <sighs> no, it's I always have to be optimistic. Yeah. Right. And it's also this. I mean, think about what we have gone through economically right so like you weren't investing money at the time but i was in the business you know 07 to 09 the financial crisis right so we had the u.s government bail out general motors we had i don't know the exact unemployment number but it was around 10 percent um we had people walking away from their houses left and right and lehman brothers and bear stearns you know went under basically overnight um you know the market went down 55 percent bottomed in march of 09 I think February of 13, it got itself back to even, I think, right around there, about four yeah. years later. Um, well, we got through that. Do I think, like, high inflation is, like, a, a long-term concerning thing for me in the market? And then that's a comparable situation to 07 through 09? No. No. And that's why I don't like – so, like – that's why I'm always kind of looking. I have to look at the glass half full, right? It's like, okay, let, let's look at it in real 
context here. Let's look at let's let's use a comparable point in time. Right. Okay, and I only bring up that point in time because that seems to be there's recency bias for a lot of investors, right? If you're 65 years old, you were 50 during the financial crisis. You probably can, you know, you probably accumulated a fair amount of assets over the course of time, right? At right. 50, right? So at 50, you went through a terrible bear market, but you got it all back. And at that point, you said to yourself, oh, I'm 54, 55, you know, or I'm 50, I got plenty of time, right? At 65, you have a different feeling about that, right? But you shouldn't have a different feeling. Because people think like the act of retirement, walking out of your office is literally a moment in time. Retirement, the act of retiring, how long is that? A second? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, hey, all right, see you guys, see you guys, I won't see you on Monday, <laughs> right? Like, right. that's it, right? So, like, your portfolio doesn't stop, right? So, you're looking at a, with good health and good luck, a 15, 20 year stretch of having money that you need to have. So, you know, you're going to have ups and downs in the market. It's just completely natural. But, you know, time fixes a lot of things and patience. Right. And I think, I think those are hard things for people to learn and understand when it comes to being successful is that there's, so I was an actor. Like I learned most of my stuff as an actor about life um ironically but the definition of acting i have so many jokes in my head but yeah, they're not it. no they're not appropriate but for Meis the camera but meisner can we can we edit things out we're not ever gonna edit things okay. out but okay. go ahead and no. bash away nope um <laughs> but so meisner is a is a world renowned acting coach and he has a definition of acting which is living truthfully in the moment under your imaginary circumstances mm -hmm. and what i understood about that in life was living effectively and being successful is living truthfully in the moment under your current set of circumstances. Yep. Right. And understanding the idea of like, this is where I am now. It doesn't matter where I'm going and it doesn't where I've been. I have to deal with what's going on right now. And moment to moment that changes. And that's the best way to be effective is to live in the now. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of people that worry about, well, I had this much money yesterday. Yep. Or how much money can I make tomorrow if I do this thing? And mm -hmm. It's like, well, let, let's talk about what we're doing now, yep. right? Like markets are down now, which means you're buying in at a discount. You're getting the same quality thing yep. for less money. You're not buying less quality. Yep. It's the same quality. Yep. It's the, it, Apple is the same company today, right, that it was yesterday. Yep. And tomorrow it's going to probably it's one of those too big to fail situations at a certain point where it's like there are so many people bought into what apple is that it's not going anywhere not anytime soon right same with amazon mm -hmm. amazon is here to stay mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere anytime soon mm -hmm. and it's really hard to become a competitor of either one of those because what are you going to do yep um i think with clients <clears throat> it's pretty simple they think about day to day I tell them all the time, I don't live in your day-to-day -day life, okay? Like, I don't make a decision on what I'm, you know, I don't go to the grocery store with you. I don't spend your money. I don't decide what car you're going to buy. I don't decide, right? Like, you know, so what concerns you, what concerns you have are not the same concerns I have, okay? Right. So if you're 62 and you just retired and you're going through this bear market, okay, you're concerned, Try, I, these people are concerned, as they should be, right? Like, yeah, market's down 20-some-odd percent. You know, bond market has been 
very wonky. Um, so, you know, portfolios are down and I just retired and oh my God and yada yada, right? So first of all, I'm always like, what are you using every dollar today? Like you need your imp- entire portfolio today? Like, no. Okay. If you did, then we're really, we're really shooting, shooting for a short retirement, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's also like my concern is, is this, is that, so it's, it's exact opposite. So you're 65, let's just say, you're retired, okay, and the market's down. Your inclination is to get more conservative, Right. Because right. in the moment, it makes you feel good. OK, it rips the bandaid off. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Ah, my portfolio is not going to move around as much. I'm, I feel better. I can, you know, go about my day to day life without stress. Right. All you're doing is is you're punting. You're kicking that stress down the road, but you just don't realize it. OK, because what happens is, is if you're too conservative in your portfolio. OK, so if you have a million dollars, OK, and you're taking 40 grand from it, 4% per year, okay? And most, most modeling says that that's a sufficient, that should be sufficient for the long term, okay? If you have a portfolio that's 60% equities, 40% bonds, okay, that historically has proven with a 4% withdrawal rate to be a pretty successful um, allocation of those dollars for the long term, right? right? Market's down, you get concerned, you want me to go more conservative. So now you're all bonds, or you're all cash, or you're all whatever, right? And you feel good in the moment, right? But you still need that 4% to live off of. What happens if your portfolio is only generating 3% return now? Now you're dipping into principal, okay? So what you've done is you've punted the stress to 85, right. 80, right? You have officially started a clock in which you're going to run out of money, okay? So that's all you did. You just punted. You just don't realize it, right? Yep. So my job, so my, my stress is not about right now for a retired client, okay? It's making sure we don't make a decision that has an effect at 75, 78, 81, 82 years old, right? I'm thinking 15, 20 years down the road. Clients are thinking about 15, 20 days down the road. I'm 15, 20 years down the road because I have older clients, right? Like we have 85, 87, 88, 90-year-old clients. Clients are living longer, right? People just live longer, right? So making sure that they have the money that they need when they're 85 years old is paramount. But in the moment, they don't, clients at 63, 64 don't want the risk. So that's what I spend most of my time doing with retired clients is like making sure that they understand that decisions that we make now actually have an effect 10, 15, 20 years down the road. Right. So you keep talking in large numbers. Mm-hmm. What about the guy that's just starting out his small business as a landscaper mm-hmm. and he wants to start putting stuff aside and figuring that out? Well, I'm also talking about retired clients or uh, yeah. people on the verge of retirement, right? Like, you know, the the person that is starting out kind of goes back to what I was saying, which is building up liquid dollars in some sort of brokerage account depending on if you have staff or not, some sort of retirement type of account. Could be a company retirement plan, depending on how big that company is. Could be an individual one if you're just a one-man operation. But point being is that just consistently building up dollars and letting compounding interest you know, take over from there so that when you are 60-some-odd, you have, you have enough money. So the, I remember as a kid, and it still kind of sits around today. The idea of Hollywood does a good job of being like, 
if you're in the stock market, you can make millions, but also you can go to zero. Mm-hmm. And people are like, well, I can't put all my savings in the stock market. I'll lose it all. Mm-hmm. Is that a real thing? Um, sure. It is if you are – you invest – a lot of your money or all of your money in companies that ultimately fail, right? So that's why you go back to diversification, diversifying your dollars. You mentioned a company like Apple, you know, that is quote unquote, and you you said too big to fail. Um, You know, that's a strong, stable company. You know, I don't know what Apple's future holds, but you know, the point being is that, you know, those who take X amount of money and hope they can make a turnover tenfold, right, very quickly, that's probably an investment that's relatively risky, right? So, you know, yeah, you could, you could invest every dollar in a company that goes out of business and goes bankrupt and it's worth zero. So could you technically lose all your money? Yeah, yeah, you know. If you're prudent about it and you diversify your dollars and you consider things like some sort of mutual fund or – ETF or something like that, you're going to lower the probability of that happening considerably, right? The stock market's never, you know, disappeared. Right. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's about your choice. It's about your choices. Everything's about your own choices, right? Like we have clients, you know, that are like, maybe they're retired. We'll go back to the retirement piece. And they're like, oh, you know, they're concerned about running out of money or their need from the portfolio is too high, right? They need to take out 6%, right? Like that's not, there's only so much I can control, right? So like, just like, so going back to that person who just starting out with investing, if they went and put their money in some sort of cryptocurrency that went to zero. Okay. Yeah. So part of it is like how, you know, the term get rich slowly that's i don't think a lot of people think like that yeah yeah well i'm also a believer that no matter whatever's worth having takes a long time and it's hard to get Mm -hmm. so getting rich quick probably doesn't like people that win the lottery what is i think i don't know the actual percentages are but i think it's it's a high like 80 percent ish that go bankrupt with like within a year even when Mm -hmm. they win half Mm -hmm. a billion dollars well, if you've never had money and now you have money, it's a very difficult thing to handle, right? Because right. all of the things that you ever wanted, right? So, like, I think about, like, when my business turned a corner and really started to grow aggressively, right? There are all these things that I wanted. And I got all of those things. And then I very quickly, within a year or two, realized, like, yeah, cool. Like, I can only wear one watch, I can only really drive one car, yep. maybe two. Uh, but, like, that's, you know what I mean? So, like, now now imagine if I was 55 and I went 30 years of my adult life, 35 years of my adult life without a pot to piss in, and then I won the lottery, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like you have to – like, I think, if, I think if somebody had $5 million saved up, and then they won $40 million in the lottery. I don't think that that makes, I don't think that that changes that person that much. Right. I think if you have 10 grand in the bank and you win 80 million in the lottery, yeah, shit's about to get wild. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, 
I don't even know that the average person has ten thousand dollars in the bank. I don't know the statistics on what people have. I hear like the such and such amount of retirement accounts, you know, in retirement accounts. I don't know the number. Is it? I keep seeing this reel go around where people are like, "You can pay your kid through your business, and it's it's tax free." And then if you put this in their account with thirty thousand dollars, by the time they're fifty, they're going to be a millionaire. You'll have to ask Tom that. Who? You'll have to ask Tom the accountant. You'll have to ask Tom. That's a Tom question. That's a Tom question. Yeah. That's a Tom question on what you can can and cannot do with your. With your money with, and your with, tax stuff. With your tax stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a no-fly zone for me, bud. Yeah. <laughs> I just think it's – and I think it's financial people that are saying it. Yeah, you're fine. Well. It's, I just think it's an interesting thing to be like – Well, remember this with financial people, right? Like, if I wasn't licensed, okay, could I – I could hold myself out as an expert, and then I could just go online and just say whatever the hell I want. Right, if you're not licensed. If you're not licensed, right? So, like, I have to – you know, I have to hold myself to a standard and I have certain things I can and cannot say. Right. Like, right. but if I was just like in here, like, you know, whatever. You were some basement. Guru. Do do this with this and this and you can get a Lambo yeah. <laughs> with an open your LLC. <laughs> yeah. 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 Throw throw a sticker on it and you're good to go. Oh, Christ. Yeah. 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 So I do not know the answer to that question about the, the real with the having your kids on payroll and Roth IRA and stuff. So. It not being a tax situation, if I wanted my kid to be a millionaire by the time she was a certain age, is there a certain amount that I could put away that would add up to that? Like if I gave my kid, say I give, say I put into an account five hundred dollars a week for my kid. I don't know that. I don't know. I wouldn't be able to do the math on that in my head. But I think you can use the rule. What financial advisor are you? Can't do that kind of. Do you want me to take age and amount saved and certain returns? <laughs> yeah. What do you think? I'm a human TI eighty three. My my kids would say I am because I'm pretty good with the, with the Just math. Do the math. Um, I mean, you could use a rule of seventy two, which is you ever heard of the rule of seventy two before? I have, but go ahead. I've heard it from you, so repeat it because I don't. If you know take seventy two and divide it by anything, that's how long it'll take for something to double. So if I if I have if i average a 7.2 percent rate of return on my money it'll double every 10 years right so think about this how old your daughter she's 14 fine let's pretend she's 25 okay okay if she had 100 grand at 25 it would be if she gets a 7.2 percent rate of return exactly right she's at 200 grand at 35 400 grand at same thing at 45 800 grand at 55 1.6 at 65 that's the power of compounding interest, right? And this goes all the way back to like, and that's without any extra savings, right? This goes all the way back to your first quote, like me talking about like starting young. You start young. I have many clients who have had kids a little bit older in life, right? Yeah. And while they were in their 20s and early 30s, they were just pumping money away. Married couple, each pumping money away in 401ks, maxing out, you know, 35, 36, they have kids, Right. And, you know, maybe they've had to slow down their savings um, or maybe they had to focus savings in another manner. Right. Um, you know, paying for daycare, money, for money going away for college, whatever. Right. So their retirement accounts are not being funded as strongly as before. Um, the amount of money they've accumulated, the compounding interest is able to carry them a lot further. Right. So you see these statistics online. Like if you start saving at 45 versus 35 versus 25, you know, that's the power of compounding interest. Right. So like think about if I give you the same. If I gave you the same hundred grand at forty-five, 
7.2 percent rate of return at 55 is 200 right. at 65 it's 400 so in one scenario someone had 100 grand at 25 which would be a hell of a lot of savings by 25 but just an example is now 1.6 at 65 right versus save up some money and at 45 have 100 grand is oh, it's 400 at 65 huge difference huge difference compounding interest is you know so getting starting young is is essential for long-term success or you just make a shit ton of money and are able to save a bunch one of the two yeah i think that was my plan when i was younger just make a shit ton of money and didn't work out no didn't land (laughs) (laughs) i do all right now though you're doing great you're doing great you're a busy guy i'm a busy guy you're a busy guy um stay busy yeah, I mean, that's, I think, again, it kind of goes back to, like, you know, get rich slowly, right? Like, nothing is, nothing is, nothing comes quickly, right? Nothing worthwhile comes quickly, right? right? So, like, if I want to lose 15 pounds, all right, you know, probably could have lost a little bit quicker at 25 versus 42, but, you know, I could still take 15 pounds off, right? Just going to, sure. you know, take some time, right? Um same thing with investing right like nothing comes quickly um just like getting good at golf right like you have to be patient so consistency and patience go a long ways a long ways yeah it's like you take the weight thing right it's it's how long did it take you to gain it and then it probably takes twice as long to lose it well if i go on a golf trip i can put on 10 pounds in like five days yeah you can yeah yeah for sure (laughs) <laughs> but then I can burn that off quickly. How often do you golf? How often do I golf? Yeah. <laughs> Enough where I don't want to mention on this podcast. It's amazing. <laughs> no. Um, no, my kids are older, 16 and 14. So nowadays during the season, I'll usually play both t- both days on the weekend. Okay. And now this, you know, the season's probably nine months, right? Seven, eight or nine months. Um, I like, I played on Friday. Um, and then I'll go on a couple golf trips a year, a couple golf trips over the winter. Those are like long weekend trips. Um, I'm actually going on one Wednesday um, with three buddies. Play five or six rounds then. I don't know. Get a fair amount of golfing. Yeah. What is it about golf? What is it about golf? Yeah, why do we like golf so much? I like golf for the personal challenge and the camaraderie. Yeah, like we like to – I like to walk. I don't really – to me it's not – Golf is <clears throat> golf is a social thing for me. It's the ability to go out with my friends, spend three, four hours, you know. It's one of the few sports you can have a vodka soda in and get better. Um, <laughs> the, um, but that's, you know, that's to me is what it's about, right? Is, you know, we, like I said, we walk a lot. So, you know, you're chit-chatting with your friends, you're catching up on life, stuff like that. And it's the personal challenge. So, like, I don't play a lot of the trip. On, the trip we're coming up on is, an, is a tournament, um, so it'll be relatively serious. But generally speaking, like, I play golf in Manchester Country Club. We do not. I do not play in a lot of the tournaments. I'm just not necessarily interested. Kind of go back to that competitive outlet. Like, I just don't need it. Um, so, to me, it's more. It's more about enjoying time with my friends and my own personal growth. Do you play anything else? Do you play cards or? I do not play. Nope. I don't play cards. I don't play pool. I don't play. No, I play nothing else. I bet you're not a gambler, are you? Oh, I gamble. Do you? What's your game? Blackjack. Really? Mm-hmm. Math. Math. But it drives me crazy. Like, I prefer to be at a table by myself. 
Because other people take hits that they're not supposed to. Like yeah, well, like guy like hits on seventeen or hits on sixteen when the when the dealer's showing a two or whatever or a three. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, right. So because all you're doing is you're taking a statistical chance of winning down, right? Right. So that's where I prefer some level of, you know, control. Do you ever play hold'em? I've played hold'em in the past. Um, I haven't played in forever. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. No, I and listen. I li- I I live a relatively busy but boring life so you know i'm an early riser i get up i do the same thing every single morning what's that oh you want to um i get up i immediately make a cup of coffee i turn to the local news i wake up at five sometimes a bit earlier if my if my if i just wake up um have a cup of coffee turn to the local news scroll my ipad and usually through twitter read some news articles um, check the futures market um, to see kind of where the market's probably going to play out for the day or at least at the open um, at 6, 5.30, I usually go downstairs and work out until about 6.30 um, come up eat second breakfast well I usually have like a piece of toast before I work right. out and then I'll have some eggs after um, and then yeah putts around a little bit and, and get going so um but then it's like, yeah, dude, I come home at night. I pick up my daughter, one of my daughters from school because she usually gets out of school around 530. Um, and hang out and have dinner. And I go to sleep at like 845, 9 o'clock. Like I'm not like it's not I don't do any like rec sports. I don't do cornhole leagues. I don't go out drinking during the week with my buddies. I don't do the Wednesday night card game. Like I work a lot on my golf swing in my house. One of my rooms is a tall ceiling. So I'm able to get a full swing with a wedge in all the way up to an eight iron. So I work on my golf swing. Work on my takeaway. I think there's – I think people don't understand how real-life success can be looked at as, quote-unquote, a boring life. Like, because I like to chill. Like, I like to not do a lot. I like to not – like, I don't go out. I don't drink much at all, ever. I drink socially with people that drink. Yeah. Like, if somebody's like, oh, you want a whiskey? I'll be like, yeah, I'll have one. If you're yeah. having one, I'll have one. Yeah, 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 But it's not like I'm like, oh, I want to go out and have a drink. It's like, I'm not going to I'm gonna go out and do this. Like, I think the biggest social event I have now is taking my daughter to softball practice, and I hang out with my buddy John, whose daughter is also on the team. You guys sit in the back of a pickup truck and drink beer and watch practice? Nope. Crack some butt heavies? We do that. We, <laughs> we usually either run some sort of weird, like, errand where we'll be like, oh, i got to go to Home Depot and get yeah. this thing, or we'll – be like, oh, I was going to run over to Costco and pick up this. Or, like, uh, Stu Leonard's is right there. Yeah. So, we're like, let's go get snacks at Stu Leonard's. Just That's it. Get, yeah. around. That's it. Yeah, no, it's – um, I don't – yeah, I, I think from an outsider's point of view, my life would be we, we have a second home that we go to. Um, so, we were there this weekend. Um, kind of putts around a little bit there. Um and yeah, we're able to, you know, take nice vacations and, and stuff like that. And I do the golf trips with the buddies. So yeah, I think from an outsider's point of view, they would go, oh, that guy's really busy. And yeah, I am. Don't get me wrong. Like I got stuff, feel like I have stuff going on a lot. But like, I know that during the week, I'm usually, it's a very subdued, like you can probably find me at my office or at my house. Right. Like I don't. I don't do the happy hour thing. I don't do, you go back to like social drinking. I only drink socially. So like I don't go home and have a glass of wine or a bourbon or something like that by by myself. Um, Yeah, I mean, 
I don't, the problem is, is my mind wakes up. So like, if I'm out, like, oh, I'm out. I had some cocktails and it's 1030 on Thursday and I fall asleep at 1115. I'm going to wake up at 5am and it's five and a half hours of sleep. just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's this whole idea of like, oh, well, you want to get successful. You want to make these millions of dollars. You want flashy things. You want to do this. You want to be loud. You want the attention. And it's like, well, you can also have a good life where you can make all the money and you can make all the stuff and you can still live a practical, regular life and have a good life. So, yeah, I mean, I think about my own business and we've been fortunate that it's treated my, myself and my family very well. Um, and it's about not having stress. So like, you know, you hear the quote, like this, you know, money can't buy happiness. Okay. Not having a lot of financial stress in my life makes me a relatively happy person. I hate right? that fucking crazy. Well, I know you do, but like, it's like, well, I think, I think what happens is, is that it goes back to material items, right? So it goes back to the things that I told you that, you know, you were, when I was, as we kind of turned a corner that I always wanted, right? And it's like, you know, I said to you, I can only wear one watch and drive right. one, one vehicle, right? So it's like, you know, um, but I think it's, you know, the fact that I can, so the material stuff is, I think, what people are talking about when it comes to those things, right? Right, but I They're think not, they need to change the conversation. Well, that's what it is, right? It's like, hey, listen, like, I'm able to go on this golf trip this week and not be stressed out about it. I'm having a great time with my friends, right? So that's, right. that is happiness, right? And my hard work and decision-making over the last two decades created that opportunity, right? So, you know, the fact that, you know, when our daughters go to college, we've been saving money and we'll be able to provide them with a pretty good education, right? So, you know, not having the stress of, oh my gosh, how are we going to pay for it, this, that, and the other, right? So, you know, it's not, it's not about the material items, you know, my right. wife, my wife is always like, can you please not wear a hooded sweatshirt, like, or like to dinner, like you're wearing your fancy, you call them fancy hoodies. Like I have fancy hoodies, like like you do have fancy sweat, hoodies. Sweat, sweater, hoodie? sweater hoodies. I have sweater hoodies. Um, I love your sweater hoodies. So yeah, so I can I can buy a nice sweater hoodie. Um, but like I don't like, I don't know. Like it's like, well yeah, that's the thing. Like I, like we bought land and we're mm-hmm. gonna build the house of our dream. Mm-hmm. Like I wouldn't be able to do that if I didn't have. Like I wouldn't have been able to do that if I didn't have you in my life. That would have never happened. Well, that I appreciate that. As as being well, because you set me up on a financial path that allowed me to look at my bank accounts and go, Oh, okay, I've been consistent and I've made and, and I've put away this much money over this much time. Mm-hmm. So that's going to continue. Yeah. Like I'm not just gonna stop putting yeah. money away. Like it's it's gonna keep coming. So over this amount of time with your rule of seventy two, I like I literally thought about the rule of seventy two. I was like, Well, if we're doing this and we can do this, then this is an investment, and then the markets are down. So if I can beat the market, because the housing market is still up for some reason, even though the stock market is down. So I can beat the housing market to sell my house. I can get back into the market while it's still down. Mm-hmm. That's the race I'm having right now in my head. Like, can I beat it? I'd, have to, I'd have to see the numbers you're laying out, but, I know. but okay. <laughs> I know, I know what you're saying conceptually. Right, conceptually. Yeah. It's not, I don't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And for me, it doesn't have to be fully accurate, but it's it's conceptually, if I can get the money that I mm-hmm. took out back in yeah. before it goes back up, yep. I'm not in a bad spot. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's kind of what I'm thinking, and that's where I'm I'm heading with it. But 
it's also the idea of like when people are like, oh, money's not going to buy you happiness. Yes, I get your theory of the idea that if I'm an unhappy person, money isn't going to magically make me happy. But honestly, when you're broke, sometimes when you have consistent income, it can actually make you instantly more happy and more comfortable if you don't waste it all on, you know, all the material things that you want to that you wanted when you didn't have money. But if you gradually consistently start to make more money, you will gradually consistently be happier and less stressed. Correct. I think it's I think it's less stress. Which equals happy. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it's Yeah. I think the majority of people are unhappy because of their stress levels. So if you can alleviate the stress levels, what, what areas can you, can you change in your life that can alleviate stress? One of them is your, you know, your ability to be financially more stable and more comfortable for sure. Yeah. Yeah. People don't problem is this goes, this always goes full circle, which is like, people don't want to be consistent. People don't want to be right. So it's like anybody within their personal circumstances that has, that is sort of, of moderate success, right? Can become, you know, has a little bit of extra scratch in their pocket, can save some dough and start to build up some level of assets that will be beneficial for them. It'll either make their life less stressful, right? Right. Or it will or it will provide for them long term for retirement or whatever the case is, right? The problem is the shiny object, right? It's like, oh, I saved this money so I can buy this beamer. Right. And then he just restarted the wheel all over again. Right. So, you know, people, so that goes back to the material items. People want material items to make them feel better about their situation. Like, oh, if I get this car, I'll hate going to work less because I'll have this nice car in return for it. Well, that's. I'll hate my wife less if I have this nice car. Good luck with that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's just like. It's also understanding like the purchase of a depreciating asset, like things that you're going to use every day are going to depreciate Correct. in value. Yeah. So you have to decide what you want to put your money into. Like how much do you want that thing? How happy is that thing going to make you? And like I do this podcast because it makes me happy, not because it makes me money. I do this podcast as an activity that I, I enjoy talking to people. Mm-hmm. I enjoy having conversations with people that I find to be either intelligent and or interesting or both, hopefully both, you know, and I, and I oftentimes don't know people that are sitting in the chair until they sit in the chair. Yep. So then it's like, well, I found them interesting. Now I don't, I'm not so sure that they're smart. Like, so that was great. At least we had the conversation, right? So it's, but it's that kind of thing where yeah. if, but when I can have people that I love and respect in the chair, I can have an actual conversation yep. with them about stuff that I haven't had the time to sit down and have the conversation with them. Like we don't hang out outside of work, no. but we talk a lot and we have a good rapport and we have a, like, I would consider you a pal of mine, but I don't know that I would consider you my friend. Like I wouldn't call Joe and be like, Hey, my car broke down. Can I borrow 500 bucks? If I was in that situation, like that to me is a friend. And let's just be real that borrowing money is giving money. Like, 
people that borrow money. That's not you're you're giving it away. You're giving you're giving money. We've just, let, we've let people borrow money before. Yeah, just know we've, that it's a long. It seems like it's a long. It's a long term. It's like you know, like yeah. no payments for six months. <laughs> yeah. It's like no payments for two decades. Yeah, that's that's exactly. the, that's the that's the exactly. that's the, that's the like, understand immediately <laughs> that the the moment that you decide to loan somebody money, that money's gone. gone. Just, See ya. So always think of that like oh no no my buddy's good for it no your buddy's not good for just it. give it if away he doesn't have the 500 dollars today he's not going to have a thousand dollars next month no like that's just real no so you have to understand those kind of things right or like i wouldn't like i wouldn't call you to be like hey i'm i'm putting up a fence want to come dig fucking holes in my backyard and put up a fence like you're not the guy i would call for that see here's the thing i'm the guy though if you call me i would people would be you know like, oh sure i'd be like no I right. would just straight up be like, no, no, I'm not fucking digging a fence. I'm not digging no. holes for a fence for you. No, not doing that. Right. I'm as, that same way, but. As your advisor, I'd be like, listen, as your friend, take the fucking money out of your brokerage account to pay the guy to build the fence. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> like, I'm not coming down to your house at 6 a.m. on a Saturday to dig post holes right. in return for a coffee and some donuts. Right. Yeah. You want to yeah. help me move for some pizza? Yeah. No. What is the no, age? What's the age? We've had this discussion in the office where you no longer should ask your friends to help you move. God, it's got to be what twenty-seven. I was we we were like thirty. Yeah, it's a, thirty. I feel like, but it's got to be before thirty because if you're thirty, I don't think at thirty years old you're allowed to ask. So it's got to be twenty-nine. Like it's like right, but like twenty-seven and twenty-nine is where you're like, if you still are asking your buddies to move, reevaluate. Yes. Reevaluate. Yes. Yeah, because even the last time I moved back to Connecticut at what was it? I think it was twenty nine or thirty when I moved back to Connecticut, and I didn't ask anybody to help me move. I just packed my U-Haul by myself. And my buddy was like, "You want help?" I was like, "If you want to help, but that's not. Don't feel obligated to do that. Like this, I'm just packing shit up." You didn't have like a couch or anything. Like, but you didn't move a fucking couch on your own. You didn't like one man operate a couch. But I just put that on the corner. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> just dragged it out on the corner and was like, just fuck it. So we I'm also a big dude. Like I can I can actually lift a couch. Like it's not Yeah, you can't lift a couch on your own. Like what are you doing? How do you like how do you put that thing on the ground in the U-Haul? I don't believe that it's, it's possible. A one man couch move is virtually impossible. Okay. It's doable, but you're ruining the couch. We put a um we were in Rhode Island for the Friday through Sunday this weekend and we put a coffee table outside. Yeah. And I said to my wife, I'm like, every time, I'm like, this shit's not going to get picked up. Yeah. I went on a jog. You know, just a little. It's gone. I really wanted to tell you that I went on a jog. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you went on a so, jog. So, yeah, so I went on a jog. Uh, and when I came back, yeah, I was gone. It's gone. Hour. Gone. Yeah. yeah people, people love. People free, love free shit. Oh, free shit by the road. Free shit. Oh, yeah, for sure. Well, I was, Caleb just moved out. Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. Excited for him. Yeah. Um, he's 21. So his buddies came over to help move. Sure. So they couldn't figure out, and I wasn't there because I took his girlfriend to go to Costco to buy stuff that they needed. Yeah. With the wife, and when we came back, I guess they couldn't figure out how to put the couch through the door. Could they not? They didn't really, like tilt it up. They didn't do the tilt. They, up. I don't think they did anything because okay. then they decided to put it up up to the second floor. They put it up over the balcony. Mm-hmm. It went through that door, but then they couldn't get it out of that room. And I was like, Why can't you get it out of the room? Like it, they're it came through that door it can go through this door and they're like no it doesn't fit we got to take the legs off i was like i don't think that's accurate so i literally went over there and i was like all right and 
I I moved it out of the room. I was like, you guys got to tilt it. Like, just, just a little. It felt like Ross. Pivot! Pivot! You watch Friends ever? No. Super famous moment in Friends. I've never. I, I know the show Friends. I've never. I don't watch a lot of TV. I know you don't. I watch like four shows. I'm watching Yellowstone with my wife. It's so good. Did you watch last night? Not yet. <sighs> yeah. I watch. Got, I got back late from the Jets game. Oh, that's right. Um, I watched Yellowstone. I'm rewatching Billions right now. I think I'm going to start watching The Crown. I'll, one of the women in my office loves it, and my daughter, one of my daughters. I hear good things it. about The Crown. Did you watch Ozark? We've watched Ozark. So good. Um, that's really it. You know what? There's a lot of like Kardashians and Real Housewives on in my house. That's why I don't watch a lot of TV. I also go to bed early. Go to bed early, get up early? Yeah. Like a 90-year-old man. What's early? What? How early do you go to bed? Uh, nine-ish as you go upstairs. And you fall asleep pretty quick? 9.15. Really? Yeah. And then you're up at 5. Yeah, usually 4.45, 5 o'clock, just get up. Don't need the alarm. I need the alarm this morning for whatever reason. I tried to go to bed early the other night because I was exhausted. Mm-hmm. I went to bed at 9. Mm-hmm. You know what time I woke up? Time. Fucking 2 o'clock. Yeah, no. And I was wide the fuck awake. No, I've, I've learned I need eight hours of sleep as much as possible. I'm at my best on six hours. I don't believe that. I am. No, I do not believe that. You don't have to believe it, but I am. Listen, I don't want to hear this, like, bullshit, like, successful guy, like, I no, go not four that. hours of sleep no, and no, I, optimal performance. Like, get the fuck out of here. No, but I get, I get, I'm too tired if I wake up before that, and I'm, I'm groggy if I sleep longer than that, usually. I think you would be better on seven, eight hours of sleep in a consistent pattern. Like a go to bed at 10, wake up at six scenario. If I could. Why not? I wake up all the time. I, so apparently I found out I have apnea. Yeah, well, that's the problem. So like the pl- biggest problem. Need- so to CPAP, I can't even get. It's on hold. I've been waiting for like months to okay. get one. Okay. But that's everybody. All you'll the doctors have consistently said, once you're on the CPAP, you'll be able to get more yes. sleep, which means you'll be able to lose the weight. Yes. So I'm like in this holding pattern of going to the gym with no results. How long have you been in the holding pattern for? Oh, God, it's been almost nine months. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I go consistently to the gym three times a week. Are you, is it wrong? Do I know? No. <laughs> no. But you didn't catch the joke. It's all right. What was the joke? <laughs> You've been a big guy for a while. I said, how long have you been in a holding yeah, pattern? Yeah, but the holding for? pattern. Yeah, I've been a big guy for a while, but <laughs> but I, that, I didn't work out then. Oh, so you've been working out for nine months. I've been working out for consistently nine Kay. to ten months. Okay. Consistently. It's actually longer than that now because we're in November. Yeah, we're in November right now. Yeah. So it's been 11 months because I started in January last year. Okay. And typically, in the past, I would lose weight pretty quickly. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll lose. And and I didn't change my diet drastically to, like, chicken and broccoli. And, like, no. But I, you know, for a while, I stopped eating fast food and soda and sugar and stuff. But that wasn't really helping. And it ends up being the sleep. So what are you? how much weight are you going to try to lose when you get your mask? Oh, I'd like to drop, like, 80 pounds. 80? Yeah. Oh, I couldn't see you losing 80. I'm not saying you're not capable. I'm saying, like, that would be a lot of weight. Like, you're not that big. See, that's the thing is, like, I just carry it well because I'm really wide. How much do you weigh? I weigh 290. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, you wouldn't think so. Well, the internet fat shamed me, so they think I weigh 400 pounds. 
because while I'm sitting, I look like a fat That's the job of the hut. This apparently. entire time I've been sitting, I've been trying to like just suck it just in. Posture. No, just posture. Just posture. You know, versus like I feel like you know you're like that's like a problem. I've just never given a shit what people think about me. We can so tell. Like it just yeah. We can tell. Yeah, I I don't care. I only care what I. think. You want to get down to like like two ten? Yeah. Okay. How Which tall I think are you? Is a healthy weight for me. How tall are you? Six foot. Yeah. Okay. Two tens a healthy weight. Right. I don't think it'll take time to get there, but once I get the mask, if it allows me to sleep better, which mm-hmm. they say it does. Oh so. yeah. Well, apparently sleep apnea. There's like different levels of it. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the incidence, five incidents a night, is considered to be apnea, and you need some sort of help. You know how many I have? Forty-eight an hour. I just die forty-eight times a night. In an hour. Well, this kind of goes back to consistency. Yeah. You're just consistently. <laughs> just consistently dead. Just consistently in sleep apnea. Yeah. Yeah, no, I have no I have no sleep apnea. I have no, I don't snore. Yeah. I'm, pr- I'm probably the perfect sleeping partner for my wife. I don't move. I don't snore. Well, then I move. Well, I wake up in pain also because of all the stunts and the football. and the So. Like I played contact sports. So I will tell you, my wife has been on my ass for over a decade about doing yoga yeah okay so i came back i was on a golf two-day golf trip in october and the one of the days we walked 36 and then we hopped in a car and played another 11 holes before dark so we played 47 holes 10 46 holes whatever it doesn't matter the next morning i woke up and i could like i literally could not walk I was like, just yeah. like, so. Yoga's brutal. No, 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 no. That was just from golf. Oh, it was just from this golf. Was, this was from golf. So what I started doing is, is I have um, the Peloton. I have the Peloton app, and they have all these other classes. Yeah, so yeah. I've been doing 15 to 20-minute yoga sessions. It's good for you. Oh, dude, you got to Do you do it? I try. So. But it's it's. I call it. Right I call now. it yoga. I call it yoga at home yeah. because it's like, you know, I can't like. I could never. Britt's like, are you ready to go to a studio? I've been like, I've been doing this for three weeks. But like I will, but I feel much better. Yeah, much better. So going back I to like do the tai aches chi. and pains. Tai Chi is good for I, for joint pain and stuff. Is it? Yeah. I, I thought Tai Chi was more like you're 74 years old and you're at like Vernon Manor. My body is like 74 years. Yeah, because you got to do some yoga and right. you know once you get the apnea mask, you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be peak fit physical condition within a year. Yeah, yeah, that's the plan. Good. That's okay. the plan. So I've been calling places, but everybody's out. So because I'm just gonna buy one out right now. Of sleep apnea masks. Yeah. Oh. Like CPAPs are just. Literally, I've been waiting for. Well, three I think months co- to get COVID, one. a lot of people put on weight, right? Right. You know, probably got some bad habits, some bad sleeping habits, stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah. mine is. It's just gotten to a point where I can't. I just it. It's no good. Can't find. But yeah, I think. Well, I think that's the problem with getting. I think staying in bed and just waking up. And having to go back to sleep and having that pattern of like I'm I'm sleeping for an hour I'm waking up for twenty minutes mm-hmm. I'm sleeping for an hour I'm waking up for twenty minutes and I'm in pain when I mm-hmm. sleep sometimes because again I did all the sports yeah. and I did all violent sports <laughs> like it wasn't like oh I'm gonna do this this fun like I didn't play baseball yeah I played I'm gonna run at you as fast as I can and hit you as hard as I can sports yeah. and wrestling and jujitsu and fucking stunts so my body is just constant pain. So and then I have one trainer. So I do diff- two different types of training. I I have my fur my two days a week. I do lifting and cardio with one trainer, and then once a week I do basically like a PT type therapy mm-hmm. training. 
he fucking kills me every time because he has me do the, the weirdest like gentlest moves that are that are similar oh, to like yoga yeah holding positions holding and, positions yeah. and like doing yeah. shit and dude i can't walk the next day because yeah. it's so like because he works out muscles that i didn't even know i had like the deep inside like tissue muscles and i'm just like fuck no it hurts like hell it's like hell yeah but cool but i'll get there you're on your way consistency get your mask Get my mask. Get your mask. Get my fat guy mask. Get your, da- get your Darth Vader mask. Just a full helmet. You look like the dude from, uh, you look like you're on uh, Top Gun. Yeah. Because he's going to have the tube coming out the yeah, front. Yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just going to run around with that on all live the time. Out, live out some fantasies. Get a helmet. Put, get a code name. <laughs> my code name should be. Jesus Christ. All right. Apnea 1. What, what time? Got? You got a bail? I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be. Uh, yeah, I'm supposed to be. All right, great. So where can people find you on the um, internets? Hold on. Oh, shit. Weird. Um, where can people find me on the internet? Yeah. Like Sorry, my, company. Wa- my wife just told me the power is out at the house, and we, but we don't have in our generator to not kick on. That's not good. It's probably low on oil or something. Call a guy. Call my father-in-law. Uh www.ct-fp.com is our company website. CT Finance Partners. We're also on LinkedIn and Facebook. You're on Instagram, too. We're on it. We are? I believe so. No, I don't think we are. Let me look it up. Should be. Tyler? It's actually a, it's a Liza question. Yeah. Can I just do the website? <laughs> yeah. We all just do different parts of stuff. No, I don't think so. Oh, I just saw a picture of myself. Maybe we are. Okay. Right? All right. Okay. Yeah, you're there. Are we? Send it over to me. I have to... Um, I think you're there. No, maybe not. No, I don't think we are, because I think we'd have to be approved first. Yeah, that's maybe that's what we're waiting on. Um, okay, so Facebook, website, LinkedIn. Facebook, website, LinkedIn. And you're personally not on social. You're on the Twitter. I have a Twitter account that I use to, to scroll to find news articles that I find of interest. It's mostly finance stuff that I follow in there. Yeah. Some sports. Some golf. Twitter's a weird space. It's a good space if you utilize it correctly. Just the amount of information. It's like my. It's basically just the way I get all my articles from that I read. Data. A lot of data from there. A lot of charts. Stuff like that. Boring. Boring, boring shit. Yeah, the problem is people get data from there that's not accurate and then that's the problem yeah. they don't have practical knowledge of understanding how the world works and then they're like this is true correct yeah so they're just an alien in a person suit i swear it all right let me go but, to, let me, all right let me go to work let me go to work thank you sir i appreciate you